Hello, and thank you for joining us for this week 19 of our discussions of Reunionis 4 Kitot. We are coming to the end. This is going to round out our discussion of those categories of speech where Benyona includes in bad speech, Lashon Hara, even though today's categories will not be ones that necessarily qualify as excluding a person from uh, greeting the Divine Presence. But they do tell us about Rabbeinu's view of speech and how it's meant to work. And then next week, God willing, we'll have a roundup session. We'll finish off with parts of speech we might have thought were bad that are not bad. And then we'll think about what these four kitot are and what they tell us about Rabbeinu's understanding of what the Gemara and Sota means about what it means to be able to greet the Divine Presence. So, in paragraph 229, Reish Chof of the third Shah of Shari Tshuva, Rabbi Yonah has his fifth group of people who speak inappropriately, and he calls it nivlutapet. Now, nivlutapet means something like wrong speech, bad speech, disgraceful speech, uh, disgusting speech, things along those lines. And yet, he doesn't quite define it as if it's just obvious what it is. When I was growing up, nivlutapet was used to mean when people used uh, bad words, right? Cuss words, curse words, cussing. During speech was like nivlutapet. So we'll have to check if Rabbeinu means that, if it means only that, if it means more than that. So he quotes a Gemara in Shabbat 33a, where he says, Anybody who is minavelepiv, now minavelepiv doesn't translate, the Gemara doesn't translate, right? But if a person does this, I, you know, chooses to speak in a nivul way, which we haven't defined yet. Even if that person was supposed to get nigzaralab. Now, usually nigzaralab means decreed, and usually decrees aren't so easily reversible. Mar says, even if nigzaralab, shivim shana litova, 70 good years, nepaklirai gets turned to bad. So that's a, now, he's not saying that these people are part of the group who will never have an opportunity to greet the divine presence, but this Gemara and Shabbos is making you know, the consequences of choosing to be minabel one's pair, very significant. So why is that? And then he quotes a passage in Yeshayahu, in chapter 9, verse 16, that the verse says, that Hashem will not be happy with, which means his chosen ones. And then later in the verse it says, so Hanif, we've already seen, right? That was a whole group of our groups that we've been seeing, the Hanafim, the people who didn't stand up to evil and flattered evil and curried favor with evil and told evil that it was good, right? All of those people. Umeire is doing bad things. And every mouth is speaking nivala. Again, a word we have not yet defined. But it's showing that the Pazak Yishayah was telling us that nivala is a bad thing, right? So... The Rabbi just says, therefore we see that somebody who turns his speech to these kinds of nivul is, has a very weighty sin. And now he gives us a clue. Because he says, This person has, has abandoned. Now, busha, we usually think means embarrassment. But in this context, busha doesn't quite mean embarrassment. It means an awareness of what shouldn't be public. And it's very similar to Tzniut in that way, right? Busha is the emotion of wanting to stick with Tzniut. Unfortunately, in our times, we often think of Tzniut as being the proper way for women to dress, which is included in Tzniut, but is about, as I've said other times, much more. 
it's about the proper awareness of what should be out there and not out there. Actually, one of my children, I don't know if this child wants to be identified, one of my children recently told me a story about Rav Chaim Kanievsky that I think is a beautiful story. Rav Chaim Kanievsky, thanks to the Rukha, of supposedly uh, a very wealthy man came to him and he said, I really want to buy this uh, very beautiful, very fancy car, but I'm afraid that people will be jealous of me. And Rav Chaim Kanievsky totally seriously said, why would they be jealous of you? Why wouldn't you be embarrassed? So Tzniut is the memory, and it's a memory that's it lost in many, many ways in our times, right? It's the memory that there are many things that shouldn't be public. So Rebidion is implying, I think, that Nivlutape is when we speak in ways that we make a public factor of things that shouldn't be public. Now, in one way, that'll be things like bad words, because many bad words have a have a sexual component to them. It might be that we've already forgotten about that so much that we don't even remember that. But it's about speaking in ways that are ways that you shouldn't be speaking out there in public. Right? So, and Rabbeinu adds, these two qualities, busha, by which he doesn't mean embarrassment, busha means the, the interest and the dedication or the emotional investment in not being out there with things that shouldn't be out there. Of, so it's bashful, not in the sense of being afraid of social interaction. It's bashful in the sense of having a fully appropriate sense of what people should know about me and what they shouldn't know about me. Similarly with Sliut, what I should be doing in public, what not. And he says, these are the known character traits. He calls it Zera HaKodesh, of the, of the sanctified um, seed, the sanctified nation, sanctified descendants of the Avon. And this person instead, right? So he's again telling us that being an, he's, he's, he's letting us see what a nivel peh is. Nivel peh uh, embodies or, or displays the character of azupanim. Now, azupanim is the opposite of bushat. Azupanim is, uh, it literally means strength of face, but it means the. The sense that I can do whatever I want, wherever I want. It's none of your business what I do or don't do. And why should I care that you're seeing me? And he says, That is the underlying trait of Nivalim. So Nivalim is, again, this, this blurry word. right? And Naval, in, the, in Tanakh, Naval was the husband of Abigail, and he refused to pay David's, uh, David's sort of fee for guarding them when they were out there, when his shepherds, when they were out there shepherding their sheep, and it's a refusal. So you think Naval could just be ungrateful. But really a Naval is, in our context, that Rabbi is talking about, is somebody who, not just they're ungrateful, they're brazen, and they have the sense that I can live exactly how I want to live. I don't have to worry about what other people are going to think, who other people are. I don't worry about what they see about me, what they say about me. Those are parts of the characteristics of Nivala, of Nivalut, of Nivlut, right? Of, of being a person who's not properly circumspect about what is said in public, what is seen in public, and that's going to be part of this language as well. So that's one element. Second element, says Reniona, is that by speaking in these inappropriate ways, and now we see it's about much more than the language-specific words, right? There are all sorts of words, we call them four-letter words, that you can think of that you would say, oh, that's in the Vala. But it's not only about those things. It's about the underlying message of one's speech and one's language in general. If one's speech and one's language is such that it's, I don't care about you, I don't care about what people think, I'm just going to do what I want, I'm powerful and I'm strong, or at least I'm this strong, and I'm just going to say whatever I want. Right Nowadays, let's say, imagine there are people who are properly, um, 
probably thought of as, as sensitive to how people speak about them and how people treat them. And somebody says, I'm going to treat them however I want to, which is like I used to. That's a nivalut because it's a lack of sensitivity and it's a lack of bushats diut. And that would include a nivalut in inappropriate speech, even if the specific words being used weren't like that, I think. That's my guess. The second one is, he says, it's also true in particular that when a Jew speaks inappropriately, that person is giving a bad name to the Jewish people or is 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 defiling the sanctity of the Jewish people. Because after all, the puzzle of Devarim, this is a puzzle that my teacher from graduate school, Professor Tursky, used to point out the Rambam stressed greatly. The Rambam thought this was a very important uh, puzzle. The Rambam used this verse as the basis for the idea that there have to be explainable reasons for me to vote. But he is quoting that verse. He clearly knew what the Rambam did with it. Quoting that verse, that the Torah tells us the reaction, the way Jews, if Jew, when, when Jews are living their proper Torah life, the reaction of other people is going to be what a wise and insightful nation they are. That's how he's understanding it. And this person, and this person, sadly, has chosen to act like the fools, the people who are unintelligent but unwise and who are looked down on and who are far away from the ways of the intellect. But if you think well about it, now, unfortunately, today, there I think there are plenty of people who are very bright and very intelligent, and very learned, not Torah-wise learned, I don't mean that. I mean, like in the world in general, but they think that speaking like uh, fishermen was the example that used to be used when I was growing up. They think speaking like that makes you more like a person of the people, and therefore it's a good idea. Vinion is pointing out that's ridiculous, right? That, that to act like people of lower character, people who have bothered to refine their character, shows that the person is rejecting the intellectual ways of people of higher character and higher sophistication. And he writes, a wise person, an insightful person, now, those words literally mean, well, like to sheket means to treat it like vermin and to treat it like abomination. Now, it might be that in Yonah's time, it was closer to literal than we might be fully comfortable with. It might be that in Yonah's time, he thought that the way to deal with people of such lower caste and such lower levels, the such lower situation in life is really to distance them. I think in our times we think that most of those people, we hope that most of those people are where they are because of life circumstances that were out of their control. And therefore we hope and think that there may be there are ways to help them find their ways to better ways and to better ways of living and to understanding deeper truths of life. But I think there's no reason to think that what we're supposed to say is, oh no, they also have a good way to live. Right, they also understand life in a good way, and and Rabbi says that's ridiculous because it's when we live and we choose to live the way people of poor thought processes choose to live, then we are aside from everything else, we are uh, sacrileging. We're taking this wonderful tool we have, our intellects, our understanding which Rediona says is more valuable than anything out there, and we are mistreating it. Because instead of letting it guide us to a higher form of life, we're bringing it down with us to a lower form of life. Now today, this is a very complicated issue because unfortunately, many people of good intellect who think of themselves as well thought out 
come to anti-Torah conclusions. That's not who Rabbi Yonah is talking about. When he's talking about being a Dover Nevala, speaking in this way, he means adopting the speech patterns and the thought processes of people who really aren't, uh, aren't thoughtful at all, which is a whole different discussion, right? Rabbi Yonah says, even to hear it involves a great, a, a great deal of punishment because if you don't close your ears to it, you don't separate it from it, then you're joining them. And he quotes another puzzle from Mishle about this issue. You're joining them and you're becoming part of meaning. He's arguing, and this is so far from where we are today, it's unfortunate, but he is pointing out that he thinks that when you want to build a society of higher goals, higher levels, higher ideals, we need to realize that people don't understand those higher ideals and they live in a certain way and they speak in a certain way and to adopt their speech patterns is to reject the lessons of the intellect and to listen to people like that and not to object to it, right? Meaning, I, I'm not that old, I hope, and yet I remember a time when you didn't speak certain ways in polite company. And now people, people, Jewish people, Orthodox Jewish people, just think it's fine to speak that way and to use these kinds of words. And that's where Benyona is complaining about, at least in terms of words, but also in terms of overall speech about refined versus unrefined. You know, being delicate and gentle and, and circumspect versus not. And then he points out, this is going to be a wonderful example of this idea to show us that he doesn't only mean actual bad words. Because he points out the Gemara in Pesachim in the Daf Gimel says, a person should never say something miguna. Miguna means is disgusting or, or, or ugly or, or not, a, not, not, um, not attractive, something along those lines. Because the Torah in one place, Torah doesn't always do this. So it's interesting, Gemara, because you think the Gemara means don't ever use bad words. But the Gemara says don't ever use bad words. Don't use words that speak about, about negative things because the Torah one time avoided it. Meaning, what I'm talking about, because the, the Gemara points out that in, in Breshit, when, when Noah is taking animals into the Teva, Chapter 7 of Breshit, the Torah says, The animals that are not Torah. That's where, Yemeni, that's where Noah took only one pair of them. And the animals that were Torah, that will eventually be the kosher animals, those he took seven pairs of them. But the Gemara notices, the Torah went out of its way. It could have said, And that would have been eight letters less. And the Gemara drives a lesson from that. Now, of course, the truth is, the Torah does use the word Tmeah. So what do you mean? So I think the Gemara means when the Torah is making a point by one time going out of its way to say use such words very, very carefully. Use them only where fully appropriate, not when you're just being a maneuver pet about it. So he says and the reason why it says Torah is because back then you could still eat it, but it wasn't Torah for a korban. There was no reason not to eat it, but you couldn't use it for a sacrifice and therefore, if you call it Tmeyah, is Rabbi saying, it's, it's like a Lashem Begunet because you're, de, you're denigrating it, right? You're treating it as Tmeah, but it's not Tmeah. I think that, that's his reading of the bar. It's not that at one time when I was going to make the point, is he saying that it's right there because later when the Torah calls them Tmeah, they are Tmeah. Here the point is that the Torah says it's Torah to avoid giving the wrong impression that these animals are completely useless for us, to complain, but it's not true back then. They were edible. They were, so to treat them as tmeah would have been bad. 
So that's what Reniona thinks the Gemara's point is, and therefore he says a person is obligated to be careful not to do things like that. So now we mean things like that would be to be more negative about something than it warrants. That would be a problem. Even if it means that we have to speak at greater length, to be more careful and more exact and circumspect in our language. And he says, that's like also, um, I'm sorry, it's also that when we avoid we avoid these kinds of speak, it also leads us to avoid it and avoid the Averotah Chamu rope. It avoids serious sins. Like, for example, if you get used to just saying whatever you want, whatever way you want it, that leads to Lashon Hara also. That leads also to, this is also, I think, part of his idea of of Niv um, but Nitinat Dofi Babriot. Remember that we said this in Lashon Hara, like speaking negatively of other people, that was part of Lashon Hara. He's saying, the more we get used to just saying stuff, Right, without thinking it, without weighing it carefully, that nivlupe, as they said, and the Gemara Baba Batra says that it's that that the, the Torah didn't even want to speak negatively of non-kosher animals, And the Gemara Psachim says that there was a Kohen who was talking to Rav Yochanan and Zakai, and he says, "You know, I got from the lech of my party was so excited." Like a zanava alta, or maybe it was a complaint, I forget which, but like the tail of a lizard. But alta'a is a sheket in the Torah. It's one of those reptiles that leads to ritual impurity. And the Gemara comments, they checked after him, and it turned out that there was reason to worry that he wasn't actually a valid coin, that there was a problem in his lineage. And the Gemara's point is that even just in the context of expressing excitement or upset about the amount of lechem apani that he got, that the use of that inappropriate metaphor was already a sign that there's something not fully good about him. In that same Gemara, on that same page, the Gemara says that you're supposed to pick your language with a Lashon, this is where Vinyona says it, Lashon Kavod, in the honorable way, Ulaniach Lashon Shal Kavod, and to set aside languages that are not Kavod languages, even if it's not Maguna, even if it's not negative. You should pick the more refined, we should pick, all of us should pick, the more refined way of speaking, whether it's about Torah matters, whether it's about general conversation, as long as, he says, when it comes to Torah matters, there's another competing factor. We shouldn't, however, speak at great, too great a length because then people don't listen as well. The Gemara says that, yeah, that, that when we're teaching Torah, we are supposed to try to treat it, teach it as briefly as possible. And the reason to teach it as briefly as possible is because students learn better when the lesson is brief. I was just recently interacting with a, a fairly well-known Torah scholar, actually, and it became interesting to me that he likes to think in bullet points. And this guy knows a, t- a tremendous amount of Torah, and yet he thinks in bullet points. So here, too, we're supposed to, when we're te- teaching and speaking, to the extent we can, speak as briefly as possible. Now, we know many great rabbis who gave shiur for long, long periods of time. They would have said... This is the most brief I can be to get the message across. So, but Rabbi saying that when we choose our language, we should try to choose language that is of a high level because it reminds us to live at a high level. It reminds us to think and experience at a high level. That's what Rabbi is saying. And as long as it's not going to get in the way of teaching Torah, that's what we should do. Now, it happens to me, let's say, my Rosh Hashirah, he is a very uh, sophisticated English. 
he often used one word that would capture many other words, but was a hard word to follow. So that's another challenge that you have there, right? So, and he just did it. That was, that was, that was just natural. I don't think it was a choice. It was natural. That was just the way he experienced the English language. So he says, what's considered Lashon Kavod? What do we mean by an honorable language? It's speaking and conversing in the way that Nikiyeh Hadat, so Nikiyeh Hadat are people of, of clean lives, of clean thoughts, of, of, of people who live a life uh, far away from any kind of negativity. People who speak beautifully, who speak very, very well. And that's the kind of speech we're supposed to be striving for. And those people weigh carefully what considered refined and, and well-thought-out speech and what's not. And that's what we're supposed to do. They're particular about it that we'll skip for now. So that's a level, right? As we speak, and this is not Lashon Hara. We're not about speaking about other people. This is just our, ideally, our language should be the highest form of language that it could be as Rabbi Yonah is saying. That is next and last level is the Nirgan. So the Nirgan, it's a Muslim mission that talks about the Nirgan. The Nirgan is a guy, says Rabbi Yonah, who always complains about things. We know people like this. I think we today will say, oh, they must be depressed. I think there's something called dystymia, which is a person who always, um, it's a person who always, um, uh, dystymia is a person who's always complaining, who's always negative about things, who's always uh, bothered. So the Nirgan is the person who just complains about things, just a complainer. That's what Vinayona is saying. And he says, he, the, the person, he complains about everything and he finds everything's wrong and, and you know, what my friend does is always the wrong thing, right? And that, oh, I'm talking about dystymia. It's like a condition. It's like a, a section of, of depression a little bit where you just see everything is bad and, and just negative on everything. So that's a problem too. And you also see the negative in other people only. You always judge them for the bad. And every mistake you assume is, is, is intentional. Right, uh, and so you always feel the person who's the near gun always feels injured, always feels insulted because that thing that person did, they certainly meant it that way, right? And um, and then he ends up speaking to other people in a way that hurts them and doesn't realize it, right? Because if somebody complains about somebody else who didn't do anything, right? You know, a friend of mine, God forbid, let's let's just use a, a hypothetical person named hypothetical person. Hypothetical person is always complaining. And yeah, and hypothetical has a good friend named good friend. So if hypothetical person is always seeing the bad and what good friend does, good friend feels bad. The good friend is good friend is doing everything good for this person. And 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 hypothetical person is talking negatively to him and saying, You're such a bad person, you're doing these mean things, these things to me. So that's a problem, and that's another issue. There are many other things, it's an issue of our speech. And and Pasikamishli talks about that. It also separates people, meaning Sirbaniona. It means that this person will have fewer people around who love this person and want to help out this person, want to be friendly with this person, because it's very hard. Because you try to be helpful, you try to be friendly, you try to join them in whatever's troubling them, and they're always complaining at you, and they're always angry with you, and they're always saying you do the wrong thing. And he quotes a bright from Derek Eradzuto that says, Don't be, don't complain too much, because it'll lead you to sin. And Rabbi Yonah says, one of the things that happens with the Nirgan also is that the Nirgan ends up being tova, not seeing the good that somebody did for them, not being, being ungrateful. And remember that we think that being grateful is a significant Jewish quality. Rabbi Yonah doesn't quote it here, but the tradition is that when the Torah tells us we have to not 
the not um, distance Egyptian converts forever is because we were strangers in their land thousands of years ago and they enslaved us. And yet the quality of gratitude, I think I heard this from Rabbi Willick, I've heard it from other people too, but the quality of gratitude is supposed to be with us as well. So that's what is saying, that this is the person will think of, will not be as grateful to other people as they're supposed to be. And he says, and sometimes this person will even think about Hashem that way. He'll think that or she'll think that. This is something that I think comes up today. People see things. I just actually, Rabbi Willick from the Youngsville Riverdale, spoke about this last Shabbos about the puzzle of Bayaret Alayla, that sometimes after a dark night when Hashem lights it up, it'll turn out things that we thought Hashem did to punish us, to hurt us, whatever, it turned out to be the best way to get us to where we needed to be. Sometimes. So Rabbi is saying, that people will think of, such people, the near Ganin, will think of Hashem's kindness as, a, as revenge, right? Or retribution or punishment. And he points out that the Jews did in the desert. The Jews, when they were complaining and they were at the sin of the spies, they were saying, Hashem hates us. Hashem took us out of Egypt to kill us, destroy us. And and and, and yet, Rabinion reminds us, Hashem was actually giving them uh, food to eat. Hashem was taking care of them. So... Therefore, he says it's also important to stay away from that quality, from that character trait, because that leads to uh, to, to just overall uh, a, a mistaken and a wrong look at life. And people lead that way, he says. I never going to know peace because they're always going to be upset. They're always going to be angry. I know a beautiful story about that. A woman tells her about her husband. That was her husband. Still about a story about her husband who planned a trip for them to Hawaii. This is I read this book years and years ago. So the trip must have happened even many years before that. He plans a trip in Hawaii, and everywhere they went, he plans to rent a car. She's telling her friends about it, and she says, it was amazing. Everywhere we went, we came to the car rental place. They would say, we're so sorry. We don't have a, the car that you rented, that you that you reserved. We're going to bump you. We'll upgrade you a class. And so they end up the whole trip having much better cars than they ever expected. And at the end of the trip, she asked her husband, who had planned everything down to the to you know every bit of the trip. She said, that was such a wonderful trip. Thank you so much. It was so great. I so appreciate what you did. And he says, yeah, it was great, except that they couldn't get a single one of the rental cars right. But he is saying that, right? That ability to see the raw and not to see the right. So that's an issue of being a near God. So I've got theoretically uh, three and a half more minutes left. But the only thing I have left to speak about next time is going to be a summary time. I might leave for the next time. So the next time we'll pick up with the Rambam and the Moridabuchim and the Ramban in his response to that in the commentary on the Torah about the question of the nature of the Hebrew language and what that says about the way that we're supposed to speak and not speak. So I'll stop. I've gone over time other times. I'll stop a little bit early if you want to complain. My email address is grothst at gmail.com. If you want to be a near gun, obviously you don't want to do that. But if you want to say I should have gone all the way, giving you a full 30 minutes, I'll apologize. Next time, I will first do the Rambam and the Ramban. I'll do a Tzitzel that I think is very worth knowing. And then we'll wrap up our discussion, try to figure out what it is that people do to lose their right to be the divine presence and what we can uh, be more careful to do to make sure that we are we merit greeting the divine presence in its time. Thanks for joining us. This has been our discussion this time of the last two examples of Reniona's negative speech. That is the Nivel Pet, speaking unrefinedly and uncaringly about the good and proper way to speak, as well as as well as the Nirgan, the complainer who always sees the bad in everything. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for being here.